has an insane man discovered the way to guarantee a ghost is left behind when you die? Nui traveled to a small town to meet a young man whose life is kind of on the skids. Things just really aren't working out for him. So when he's taking a little vacation in between jobs to hang out with his friend and his friend's family, he's hoping it'll be a nice, quiet getaway. It turns out he's about to get into a bar brawl with a cryptid. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garvener. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters walking in. Give it up for Mikhail Malone. Woo! Everyone give a big round of applause. Hoist him up on your shoulders. He has a fear of heights. That's why we're doing that. Mikhail, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. And just a quick reminder, May 14th, I will have this. I build this up like it's some giant thing. It is. It's totally awesome. I will be at the McMinimins UFO Festival. It's the second largest UFO festival in the United States, but who's counting? In McMinnville, Oregon, that is where I'm going to be at. I, I will, I'm not a speaker, but I'll have a vendor's table. So I'll be out there. I'm going to have a little museum of some haunted items. We're going to have Mikhail Malone on the tallest ladder in the city just to watch him freak out. And yeah, come on down. Check it out. Meet me and uh, look at some haunted stuff that I've collected over the years. Assuming, again, there's a big, there's, there's a big flaw to my plan. I have to transport a bunch of haunted and or cursed items several hours. Several hours on a road trip. So, I mean, assuming the car doesn't blow up into flames or get abducted by aliens or we get possessed by ghosts along the way, who knows? But assuming we're able to make it there safe and sound with a menagerie, I I think we'll be safe because I have all of these haunted items in my apartment. Even though I'm constantly suffering from these really weird medical problems... I will be there. Assuming that I'm still alive, I will be there on May 14th, 2022. Check out the vendors area and meet your favorite paranormal podcaster, me, hopefully. You're like, oh man, I thought Art Bell was going to be here. I thought his ghost is going to float around. Anyways, that was, that was a kind of a bummer way to end my promo. Mikhail, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed all the way out to Southern California. There's no haunted items in this car because this car is not insured. I definitely don't want to get a car accident in the Jason Jalopy. We're headed down to Southern California. I believe it's been so long since we visited this man. I believe he's still in Santa Monica, but I don't have that in my notes. We've covered this guy a lot. I'll put the episode in the show notes. It's everyone's favorite homeless video game designer who wants to wear your skin and attack your children, give it up. You're like, dude, I don't want to applaud for this guy. He is a lunatic. He is a lunatic. We're not going to give him a round of applause. But we're going to drive through, again, Santa Monica, I think. We're just going to walk up to a random hobo and be like, are you the video game designer? He's like, I'm whatever you want for five bucks. And we're like, oh, okay. So Max Kramer... He is a homeless video game designer who is just, he, he's gone insane. But 
he also knew how, and he's still alive. He, we have, I have so much more to cover about him. I've really been spacing it out because I don't want to just do this dude. I, I got other stuff. I got ghost and alien invasion and stuff to talk about. But Mac Tramer's still alive, and he did have a pretty big web presence with his Jewish car machine website. He believes, in in short that we're all in the simulation. Well, he's in the simulation. We're all NPC character. This is a very common conspiracy theory. But to be fair, he was one of the first people to be to be screaming this theory out on the street corner. He believes that he's one of the few actual player characters, blah, 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 blah. We got a bunch of episodes on him. I'll put him in the show notes. The reason why I want to talk about him here is because it's not just, we're not just going to look at some of his crazy rantings. We will, but I found this super bizarre connection. I've been doing a bunch of research lately, and while I was researching it, I kept going back to this particular set of weirdo stuff. And let's go over a couple of them I have here. Oh, and I want to give a shout out to Oogs. Oogs is the person who originally sent me the Max Kramer stuff. So thank you so much for sending it over, Oogs. He said he's he has these random thoughts things, and I found a couple that were funny or weird. And and recently, due to recent research I've been doing, one of them is just uh, it's terrifying. But let's look at one of the weird ones first and strap in because this weird one is. Okay, so here we go. This is on his rant. This is one of his random thoughts. I know I have odd random thoughts, right? But this one, this is one of his random thoughts. Quote, what if a female sex organ of an insect was... You're like, just, just stop. I do not want to hear what a crazy homeless person... I don't want to read. I don't want to hear the rest of that sentence. I don't want to know what a crazy homeless person thinks about female sex organs of an insect. You're like, nope. I'll be back tomorrow. Click. I I don't even know how a, a bug body like a bug sex works. I mean, I think I've just seen like Looney Tune cartoons of like a sexy bumblebee going like woo do 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 like dancing and stuff like that. I don't know. But apparently, does a bug have a uterus? Because. <laughs> Because that is important. That is important for the rest of the sentence. I don't know. What if... I'm going to read... I have to read this directly because I can't bastardize this at all. Quote, What if a female sex organ of an insect was transplanted into a male human's body to give birth... You stuck along, you stuck around that long, and you're like, nope, still don't want to know. You came back to the podcast, you're like, oh, maybe this is a short segment. Nope. What if a female sex organ of an insect was transplanted into a male human's body to give birth to grasshoppers? Would, this is still continuing this quote, would the offspring, actually, let me stop right there. Let me stop right there. Let's, let, the real question is, like, my random thought would be, first off, to... First off, are bumblebees as sexy as Looney Tunes made me believe? Secondly, I would go, how does a bug have babies? Like, I'm assuming they lay eggs, and I'm assuming the, the eggs come out of some sort of bug uterus. But I don't know. And I've never cared to look it up. I've never, ever concerned myself with this. But what would happen if you... I, I can imagine this is the question. What would happen if you took an insect's sex organ and put it into a human body let male or female right he specifies male which let's say i took a grasshopper's uterus and put it in a man my first question would be would that work 
could a dude be like, oh, nine months, nine months. He's like, come out, you little darlings. And then a bunch of little grasshoppers jump out of them. You, you choose the body part that they're coming out of. But, like, would that work? Like, would the human body be able to provide the nutrients? <laughs> Clearly not, Jason. Clearly not. But what if you put it in just the right spot? Like, what if you put it, like, what if you took it out of the grasshopper right before the eggs were coming out? Like, maybe two or three eggs had already popped out, and then you, like, slide it into a dude's armpit. <laughs> then he's doing fart noises <laughs> with his armpit, and eggs are shooting out. That would be my question, is could you do it? Could you possibly get a grasshopper uterus put into a human male and have it still be viable? That'd be my question. And to me, if someone asked that question, I would be like, well, I don't know. I don't know, and let's never find out the answer. Let's not look it up. I don't want to see photos of this. But that's not Max Kramer's answer. And that would, see, I, I might have more abnormal thoughts than, like, say, the average person, the NPC, you non-player characters. Not you. You're one of the good guys. You're one of the players. But... To the rest of those normies out there, they would never think of a disgusting thing like that. So, would it be viable would be my question from like a scientific slash weirdo point of view. But Max, that's not even, that Max Kramer just assumes that it's viable. That's not even what Max Kramer's finished sentence is. His whole thought is, what if a female sex organ of an insect was transplanted into a male human's body to give birth to grasshoppers, would the offspring consider the male human to be female as their mother? Unquote. That is so weird. His question isn't whether or not it's scientifically possible or viable or how bugs have babies. It's would the baby grasshoppers think the man was a woman? That is an interesting question. <laughs> Only a madman would ever figure it out. Would the grasshoppers instinctively think, oh, this must be a woman because I came out of them? So, I mean, to say stuff like that's weird, that's bizarre, that's insane is almost underselling it, right? And he actually, I guess I probably should have given you some more info in the beginning. He has this weird delusion that he thinks that People are constantly trying to turn him gay and that sexy black people are actually Asians in disguise trying to turn him gay. That's all. You'll find those episodes in the show notes and all over his website as well. So he has these weird sexual feelings to begin with. And I didn't think about that when I when I started, started thinking about putting a grasshopper uterus in a man. I think that's where he's coming from. Like, how would this affect the man's sex or the way that people view the man would they view where the grasshoppers view it was a woman who who know i mean like that might be part of his sexual hang-up as, as well he's constantly talking about black dudes trying to trick them into having gay sex with them and then him finding out they're actually asians he's like oh man but that despite the fact that he talked about that for 10 minutes that's not the reason why i really wanted to talk about him that was entertaining in and of itself, but that was just one of his random weird facts. The reason why, or sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> I misspoke. That was not a fact. That was not a fact. That was one of his thoughts. Please do not ever think. Even though this is the number one science podcast in El Salvador, please do not ever think that I once said it is a fact that you can remove <laughs> one, one that insects have uteruses, but two that you could remove it, put it into a man, and it would give birth. Not a fact, a thought of his, not mine. But then 
Here's another one that he came up with. And I read it. I, I read, like, this Grasshopper one. I've had these sitting in my files for, like, three or four months. Because I was like, yeah, it's weird stuff. But you got to find a good place to put it. Like, are you going to put it in the armpit? Or are you just going to leave it in the grasshopper? And I left it in the grasshopper. I just had it sitting here for a while. And then recently, I've been going to this website called Shadowlands.net, which is just a ton of ghost stories, because I think the show needs more ghost stories. We just don't have enough ghost stories on the show. So I've been really aggressive about finding ghost stories. <laughs> Why are you talking about pregnant grasshoppers then? Because I noticed when I was going through, I was just starting alphabetically. So I'm going through Alabama's, all these hauntings and things like that. A lot of hangings, a lot of hangings down there, a lot of racially, you know, charged hangings, a lot of Ku Klux Klan, a lot of Southern lynching of black men. There's a lot of hanging ghosts in Alabama. And that should really, I mean, just through the numbers and through the tragic history of that state should come as no surprise. So I'm reading these and I was like, you know, hanging ghosts, hanging ghosts, hanging ghosts. I was just reading so many of them, but... I was like, that's pretty common. I've talked about hanging ghosts out on Dyer Lane in California. I've never seen one, but in California, we'd... Because lynching was also just mob justice and hanging people, executing people by hanging, has been an official mode of killing people for, for probably since the invention of the rope. So if Alabama just had them back to back to back, all of these, you know, Ku Klux Klan hangings, they're just popping up. So, But I started thinking about just 30 years of paranormal research I've been doing. I'm like, this is not uncommon. Hanging ghosts is very, very, very. And you think about it because you have a lot of times it's an injustice, right? It's a mob doing it. But even when it's a state run execution there's still just such a tragedy of grabbing someone, dragging them to the tree and hanging them because it's so, so let, so this is what's super interesting about that. That's actually a great segue for what I'm getting at. Max Kramer says this, quote, the historical execution of people hanging seems to be a way for the executioners to be respectful of God, as if it is as though the victim, one of God's creations, is sent back to him dangling on a rope, a metaphor of a baby and its umbilical cord. And I saw that. I put it. I, that's going to be my new thing for my notes. I put it in the grasshopper. Put it in the grasshopper uterus. I saw that. I clipped that out with a bunch of other random thoughts. Put it away. But when I was reading all of these hangings, all of these lynchings, right, in Alabama, where they're using the tree. They're using the tree out in front of the plantation. They're using the tree on the edge of the forest. They're using this tree. They're using this tree. And people to this day say you can go down there and sometimes you'll see a body hanging from the tree. I started to think about it and I go, not necessarily that Max Kramer was right, but he might be more right than even he thinks. There may be something actually to the act of hanging that seems to bond the body to the location. There do seem to be a couple caveats. It seems to be related to people being hung from a tree or in a place of residence. And you go, Jason, where else would you hang somebody from? Well, this is, I, I, don't, I don't, maybe maybe I ate too many bagels this morning and I'm in a carb fog, but... I'm thinking this is so interesting because the state, right, when the government wants to hang you, they build a scaffold and they hang you. They'll then disassemble the scaffold. 
It's like the whole part of the construction of the scaffold is part of the process of executing. And it's very, very creepy to watch this thing be built over the matter of days. You know, obviously, like, the sentence has been rendered. You know the date of execution. And you would sit there in your jail cell in your old-timey western town as they're building a scaffold. Now, in Europe, they might have, because they had all, you know, they had these magnificent cities and stuff like that. They may have had, I know they had, like, hanging squares and things like that. But even then, I don't think <laughs> you would keep the scaffold up all the time. You weren't hanging people every single day. So you wouldn't be like, well, you know, I'd really like, to, I'd really like you to have your vendor booth, but, you know, the scaffold. And then, like, crows are constantly picking at it, and they're getting, like, pieces of flesh out of the twine of the rope. I'm pretty sure they disassembled those as well. But yeah, it, when the state does it, they'll build the scaffold and then they'll remove it and there's nothing for the ghost to attach itself to. But when you're hanging someone from a tree that is alive, you're you're using this living thing to take a human life, it's sucking the energy in. It's it's taking the form of this man who, again, in a lot of cases, unjustly hung. It's just leaving that mark, leaving that psychic mark. And in a house as well, it would make sense that a haunting would hang around in a house because it is a place full of life as well. It could also already be full of a lot of chaotic energy and um, it's tapping into that as well. But for the state execution method, it the scaffold disappears. There'd be no way for the ghost to appear. So just an interesting thing, and, and we do see so many hanging ghosts. What's interesting is when you look at ghost lore in general, when a lot of times when like kids die, or I know this is a really cheery episode for Monday, but kids die, people get shot, stabbed. Sometimes the hauntings are left behind with a final scream. You know, someone gets stabbed to death, you'll hear like a scream at three in the morning. Every so often the woman's getting stabbed to death and stuff like that. But... A lot of times you'll someone will jump off the top of a building, die, and then they'll see her ghost walking through the hallway. Or kids will drown in the pool, and then you'll see phantoms of the kids running around the pool. It's never the kid floating in the pool dead. But with a hanging, they are almost always still hanging as a ghost. People burned to death are seen sitting in their favorite chair. People poisoned are seen looking out the window. But people who are hung are often seen, their ghosts are often seen still hanging. And I never, ever, ever really considered that until today when I was doing all this research and reading all, I mean, it's just such a tragic history, right, of the South, of these issues with people getting hung. I'm reading all of this stuff and I'm kind of putting this all together. And while I was reading that, I was remembering Max Kramer's thought. Maybe the act of hanging, there's something about it that is, it is so cradle to grave. We all have an umbilical cord, right? We are all coming out of our moms, not our grasshopper moms, but we're all coming out of our moms. We all are attached with an umbilical cord, cesarean, whatever, however you're popping out. I'm not, I'm not going to discriminate against you. What? Oh, man, that's a cesarean, baby. Don't hire her. Um, but the umbilical cord. And I'm wondering if the cord is severed and we come to life and then the cord remains as we die. Is there a connection between that? Between the life 
and the death, it's so perfectly mirrored. It's scary how perfectly it's mirrored. And they always say, right, people who are insane, sometimes they can see past the universe. They can see past the rules that we all set up, that we all follow physics in a certain way. We follow the da-da-da-da-da. But then, and people say that, but then you meet people like Max Kramer who wants to wear your skin and sneak into your house and do horrible things to your children. And you're quickly reminded that insane people sometimes are just completely insane. And they say insane things, but... Maybe they're half right. Maybe while they're doing these horrible things to your family, someone like Max Kramer is so insane, he, he can just ramble for so long that eventually he says something that's so profound and so terrifying that most of us just missed it. The act of hanging could be the complete opposite of birth. And that is why when people die hanging, for the most part, their ghosts are still hanging. Because if you're going to be a ghost, that is <laughs> might be the worst. I once said being a bathroom ghost is the worst. There was a ghost in a Burger King bathroom somewhere in California. I said this might be the worst haunting. The worst place to be in a burger. <laughs> Humpty, Humpty Hump's constantly having sex in there. You're like, oh no, the song, the song is true. I think hanging forever would be the worst. Terrifying. And I wonder if there is some weird connection there. But who knows? Just like the grasshopper thing, I personally don't want to find out. I never plan on hanging myself. It seems quite ugh, icky. But, uh, yeah, terrifying story, terrifying history, terrifying everything. Is there a connection between being born and hanging that is so natural it breaks the laws of death? Your spirit doesn't get to roam free. You're stuck there. We spent so long talking about... We spent so long talking about grasshopper uteruses. Let's go ahead and skip. <laughs> I was waiting for the cryptid bar fight. I want to give it its due, right? It's a really long story. I thought that last segment was going to go by a lot quicker. But you got to give it its due. Let me find something else here to do real quick. I got a lot of stuff. So let me find another good one here. One second. Mikhail, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind... Santa Monica, I think. We're headed all the way out to Brazil. This is a story here. It's so funny. You come across this stuff a lot. And you're like, this is a really cool story. I think people who really love the paranormal will like this. But for the wrong person, this story could kind of set you off. So if you're currently catching grasshoppers to cut out their sex organs. You're like, I've always wanted to be a mom. You have all of these open slices on your body and all these bugs are all flying out of you. If you're that person, if you're that guy, you might want to skip this one because this one really throws you for a loop. It's an interesting story that combines the world of the paranormal and just paranoid delusions. What is a paranoid delusion? It's February 28th, 1974. We're in the city of Rio de Janeiro. In Brazil, it's 7.30 p.m. 
And there's this young man, we'll call him Mitchell. He's walking around his house. He's like, you know what, dude, this house is pretty this house is pretty cool since I got rid of all those grasshoppers. My roommate sure was a big weirdo. Mitchell is walking around his house and he's standing in his kitchen. He's kind of like looking around, figuring out what he's gonna eat, and then all of a sudden, he's not in his kitchen anymore. He's standing in a square room with no doors, no windows. And he's You'd be gobsmacked, right? You wouldn't have any idea of what was going on. Mitchell's standing there in this square room, and he looks, and there's this box sitting there in the corner of this room. Remain calm, the box says. And he's like, well, that's a little too late for that. I've already wet my pants. A door opens up on one of the walls. And out of this door, this large, dark, oval machine, he called it an apparatus, comes out of the doorway. Apparently it's an Oompa Loompa. It walks up to him, and while that's happening, a yellow light shines down on Mitchell. Uh, yellow light. Uh. The egg is getting closer. It's pretty big, though. It's a large... Don't, don't imagine a little egg, because this next part won't make any sense. Don't imagine a grasshopper egg. All of a sudden, the oval starts to open up, and out of the oval, he's like, oh man, I wanted more music. They're like, no more music. Once the oval stops moving, it make music in the first place, to be clear. But once the oval opens up, out steps... A figure, a human figure, and Mitchell is standing there and he's looking at Mitchell. He's looking at an exact replica of himself. And the doppelganger tells the real Mitchell, the doppelganger says, I'm not here to hurt anyone. And then the doppelganger turns and just walks through one of the walls. Like it's not even there. He just phases right through it. At this point, a large TV screen appears on one of the walls. Mitchell's all sitting down in the open egg. It turned into a giant recliner. He's like, ah, oh, man, being abducted sure is comfy. He's looking at this giant television on the wall, and then he sees his kitchen on television. He's watching his kitchen, and standing in his kitchen is the doppelganger. And then you remember that box in the corner of the room. Another voice comes out of it and it says, Tell him what to do. Mitchell's like, what? And then apparently... So this is weird. We get a lot of detail up to that point, And then he stops giving a lot of detail. At least on this version that we got. He's ordered to tell the doppelganger what to do. They don't... It's super interesting because he, gives, he basically gives us the layout of this room. And then when the UFO researcher goes, oh, that's fascinating. What did you have the doppelganger do? Mitchell goes, uh, stuff. So, I don't know. He might have went into more detail. This, this, I got this from a thing about a docs.com. They got it from a UFO researcher called Irene Granchi. She was writing for FSR Volume 32. That is a UFO magazine. We've talked about it before, I believe. Volume number 32, number three. But what he's told, what he, to finish his story... 
He doesn't really say what he told the doppelganger to do or what he was told to tell the doppelganger what to do. But eventually he is sent back. The real Mitchell is here and the doppelganger is taken back aboard wherever it's at. I think it's implied that they're aliens. I think at one point he does call them aliens. He never sees anything, though. But he is told that these people that abducted him from his kitchen in the middle of the early evening, they're here to help humanity. So not to worry. We have the ability to make complete clones of people, but don't worry. We're only here to help people. And this is one of those stories that I think could really mess with somebody's head because we're talking about paranoid delusions, things like gang stalking and stuff like that. You would go, well, I know that Jason would never gang stalk me. <laughs> For one, he doesn't have a car. He would be the most obvious gang stalker. He's constantly walking around, standing outside my house. But I know that Jason wouldn't gang stalk me, but Jason's alien doppelganger might. It, it it's it's a story like that it can really make you paranoid and also here's the, here i mean let's cut to the chase how do you know or how do we know that the real mitchell's back right this is the story that the fake mitchell would tell you right the doppelganger what is the doppelganger <laughs> i don't think the doppelganger's plan is first off kidnap a person secondly Imitate him perfectly. No one will ever know this ever happened. Part three, call up a UFO researcher and say, I got abducted by aliens and my double came to Earth. That's probably not correct. But you you wouldn't know, right? If I was abducted right now and I was replaced with a clone, my clone would be so perfect that the clone wouldn't know it was a clone. Like maybe in the beginning, I'd have this weird identity crisis or depersonalization and i'd start freaking out and i'm like nothing's real nothing's real nothing's real like i, I don't read like why does everything feel like a video game why can't i feel the air on my skin why can't i breathe and i you'd go through that panicky attack you'd have those anxiety attacks like it would only and if there was jason up in a spaceship right now and beginning when i was like wait i'm not the real jason i must be some sort of clone and i'm going through this identity crisis the real jason is talking to me and being like Stay out of my food, bro. Don't go in my fridge. Don't go in my fridge. Um, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, after I got a couple lessons on how to be Jason, I would think I was the real Jason. I was. Th I would think that I was the authentic Jason. So it's one of those stories that can really mess with you. It's actually kind of a cool alien story on the face of it. It has a lot of the stuff that I like. We get uh, a an encounter like in the early evening. I like stuff that happens during the day. Stuff that happens at night, I get it. It's spooky. But it's really, it's basically like, you ever noticed that a lot of these stories happen around the time most people are asleep? Right? They're like, oh, it was three in the morning. And I woke up in the middle of the house and something super weird happened. I love those stories too, but they're just, they're, I love those stories too. Don't get me wrong, 3 a.m. stories. But when stories happy, happen earlier in the evening or in the middle of the day, that excuse is pretty much washed away. And so you have this story where a guy gets popped up into a ship, a very abstract ship. He's not walking around being shown maps of Venus. He's not like seeing, saying hi to the pilots and stuff like that. Again, I like those stories, but you know, an alien encounter should feel alien when you're helping them <laughs> refill their fuel cells and it's just like putting gasoline in a 67 Chevy. I'm a little more suspect on that type of stuff. When they're rolling out maps... 
when they're like, look at the technology we have, and it's a Magnavox TV from 1952, and the story, surprise, surprise, takes place in 1952. I'm a little suspect. So when a guy's in just a box, and, and again, it's so ambiguous, it was it aliens? This could have been a government operation. It could have been all sorts of stuff. Obviously, you factor in like mental illness or some sort of seizure or something like that. But it's so abstract, right? You have the man, you have the egg, you have the doppelganger. He's giving instructions to the doppelganger that that information is not relayed to us. Think about it, Docs.com is so good with getting us that information that I don't think the information's out there. So he goes, yeah, I gave him some orders, and then eventually I was returned. Were you? Were you, Mitchell? Do you know for sure that you are the real person? And then how could you ever trust anyone again? Imagine if you knew for a fact that every so often someone was a doppelganger. They didn't have to be a doppelganger the rest of your life. It could have been just like this. Doppelganger for a couple days. But how could you trust anyone if you knew for a fact that the person you're talking to may actually be fake? I mean, that would be so hard to deal with, right? You go to the bank and you're like, I'd like to deposit this check. Wait a second. Did you come out of an egg? You're like, what? Well, I mean, technically, I'm half egg. My mom had an egg, and then I'm a grasshopper. Here I am. You would you would be super suspicious. <laughs> obviously, because it's a giant grasshopper. You went to Bumblebee Banks, but obviously that. But, I mean, like, you would be super suspicious. This is one of those stories that I love, but it also really teeters on that mental illness line. Not that I think Mitchell's mentally ill, but I think someone who is on the edge... Someone who already is paranoid could hear that story and go, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was possible that someone could be a doppelganger. I believe that the story definitely could have happened, right? That's why I'm telling it to you. I'm not saying this is fake. I'm exposing it as a fraud. This falls into UFO lore. Doppelgangers definitely do. But I read the story and I go, oh, yeah, this is definitely possible with alien technology. The story makes sense. But then I don't extrapolate that out and think... Everyone I meet's a doppelganger. Because I can take this story for what it is, an interesting part of UFO lore. Just like I believe that there's aliens and I believe there, there's ghosts and demons and stuff like that, but I don't live my life fearful of every moment that when I meet people, they're demonically possessed or every door I'm opening, it's going to have a ghost pop out of it or aliens are going to abduct me at any point. Even though I believe those things exist and those things are possible, they don't inform any of any of my life decisions other than... The topics I'm going to cover on this podcast, but there are other people that these things do inform their decisions. And it terrifies them. And they actually think that everyone, that they hear one of these stories and it sticks with them. And I think that's what happens with simulation theory. They read something about simulation theory and then they start watching YouTube videos on simulation theory. And then their whole life revolves around simulation theory. Fascinating. And that's one of the decisions you do have to make when you're covering stuff on this show. Like, how far do you tell these stories like for certain people but you, you guys are awesome you guys are awesome so i don't i don't think anyone's gonna go insane from listening to this episode but hopefully not right hopefully not um but yeah what would you do let's go back let's wrap it up as an insane person what would you do if you actually thought that every so often someone you met was not real or the real them was trapped somewhere being contained by some alien force and this was this doppelganger that had assumed your life like how would you be able to work through things 
that was going on. You're like, you're not my real boss. My boss was abducted. You can't tell me what to do. Insane. I mean, that would be the definition of it, right? You would be considered insane if you thought the world was full of doppelgangers. But as paranormal enthusiasts, don't we also think that that's possible? Maybe the line between the sane and the insane is not where the scientific world draws it. Maybe the line is whether or not you believe a man can give birth to grasshopper babies. I still don't know what I think about that one. I don't know if it's possible. Dead Rabbit Radio, so I don't know, I don't know where I fall on that line. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Radio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. 